Hello from Condra is joining us. Not from Tasmania, where the rest of the band are on their jolly travels. But um, thank you, mate, for joining us on this Sunday afternoon, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Um, But yeah, listen, thanks, thanks, uh, Connor, for joining us. We've been, um, let's get the fanboy stuff out of the way. We've been huge (laughs) fans. Yeah, go on. on. We've been huge fans of uh, Condra, you know, since I came out and. We, we both absolutely adored Maya. We've seen you. I saw you in Dublin, which was the first, it was on a Friday. I think it was Easter Friday, the first time we were ever allowed to drink in Ireland. And we were downstairs in a place called Fibbers. I don't know if you remember. It was a tiny uh, Yeah, place. I remember that. We, with Baylor, right? It was our. With Baylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we've played Ireland and Baylor haven't been there. So maybe <laughs> yeah. one time. I think we did a couple of Irish states with Insomnia. But yeah, I know the absolutely nervous show you mean. That was, um, yeah, the first time we could drink in Ireland um, on a Friday. So that was a, wow. that's why it sticks in my mind so well. Yeah, what a day. Or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a treat. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I said thanks for joining us. So the new album, Pathos, is out on the 1st of July. And yep. there is a lot of noise, a lot of excitement about this. We've been fortunate enough to hear the album. We've had it for oh, a wicked. while. Oh, wicked. Okay, cool. Um, and at this point, I should probably shout out to Lise Coverdale a whole type for arranging this and giving us the uh, the promo of it. Uh, we've had it a while. And the one thing that jumps out on the press release for me is the future of British metal is in good hands with Conjurer. I want to know from you, Connor, is that much pressure? Uh, I, I, I don't know about pressure. It's like it's weird. <laughs> It feels like a weird thing for someone to commit to saying and like write write down and put out into the world. But no, it's not really pressure. Like we, when, when people ask about like following up Maya and stuff like that, and if there was pressure to to do that, it's a similar sort of thing. We don't put any pressure on ourselves that way. Like all we're doing is writing the music that the four of us enjoy and want to hear and that we're proud of, and then putting it out. And then if it goes like Maya and people love it great if we put this out and it completely flops and there's just a small minority of us that like it then like that's fine too but so it's one of those things where it's very kind for people to kind of talk about us in that respect but it no it's not something that we're going to read and then go oh god we better do a good job it's like we want to do the best we can for people like hold tight who put so much time and effort into like working with us and doing all the stuff we can't do because say we're, we are just four idiots like writing the songs that we want to write so we don't know anything about press and marketing and all of that so hold tight have been like the absolute best to us and so we want to do well for them and like kind of repay them as much as we can but no we, no we don't look at that statement and go oh well pressure's on now it's just kind of like well that's nice but cool okay on to the next thing I mean, we we talk about this a lot on the podcast, the, the state of the British metal scene at the moment. Um, you know, we're, we're 37. Um, we, we've come up through the new metal phase and all that. But okay, yeah. the, the British metal scene at the moment is probably the strongest I've seen since the likes of like Earth Tone 9. And, well, you know, you've got the likes of Harrier, Employed to Serve, Sval, Svalbard, etc. And you are certainly amongst that pile of bands and I think from the noise that we've heard or seen on socials you're probably really very high up in that pile aren't you 
and I'm sort of just wondering, like you, you've put, you've dodged the question quite well, saying you don't feel the pressure, but I'm trying to dig a bit deeper. Okay, go on. But, um... uh, you know, I'm just saying, like for Conjurers, Maya, Maya was an absolute phenomenal album, like debut. Like it, it was 2018, was it? About four uh, years yes, ago. yeah, March 2018, I think it. Yeah. Like, and like it made a huge impact on the scene, and I'm just trying to probe you a bit and uh, push you and do you actually feel the pressure though in the follow-up to it not so yeah, it's kind of a two-part thing like kind of like I was saying before like as a band no the only pressure we put on ourselves was when we the, like the two things we said when we actually sat down to finally write the album was we didn't want to do Maya part two um and that we wanted to make her like a, like a concrete effort to step forward and push everything to the next level not even in a sense of like, yeah, we need to be a bigger band. We need to get on bigger tours, bigger festival slots. But just, you know, like with the actual music, we wanted to, it had to be better than Maya. And like, we had to push things further. We couldn't just kind of like, yes, Maya did very well. And we like, we still love it, but we couldn't, we couldn't put out something that we felt was the same as Maya in terms of like the actual content or in just like the quality and the level of it. Like we, it had to be a step in, into like the right direction and a step into kind of like bigger and better songwriting for us. And I, th- I think we did that, like all the elements of Myra stuff is still there, just say pushed that little bit further with new stuff brought in. So from that side of it, not really. So the, that only pressure that we ever had was any pressure that we put on ourselves. But then the flip side of that for me personally was because I joined the band just after they finished actually recording Maya, like I wasn't on it. And so I was in all the promo photos and like I did, I've done all the touring. And like I love the album and it's been a like it's been a joy to tour that album and take it around the world. But there was just that one little missing piece that it, it wasn't fully my thing. Um, and so like, yeah, people like yourselves would be very kind to be like, oh, yeah, Maya's amazing. We love it. And it's, it's like it's still lovely to hear. And like I'm part of the band. So I want to hear that. And I want to hear that people enjoy our music because we do too. But say so it was just that little missing link. So when it did come to them writing this follow-up, I felt a little bit nervous and like a little bit of pressure personally, just because I didn't want that album to get such praise and everyone loves it so much. And then it gets to the point where I'm like, oh, cool. And now here's my songs. And everyone goes, <laughs> five out of 10, six out of 10. So I felt it a little bit, but the, the rest of the guys didn't really. And then now that we've written the album and like, I know that it, or at least I feel that it's better than Maya and like, I love it. The, that pressure is again, gone again. We're kind of back to what I was saying earlier. Where it's like, well, I love it. And so I hope everyone else does too, but it's not really the end of the world if people don't. Well, Venny, let, let, let's, sorry, Connor, I'm just going to ask Venny. We, we haven't chatted about the album yet. Um, we keep our, nose is dry as oh, so interesting. Okay. but um Venny we've had the album a bit now and while Connor's here put you on the spot Pathos compared to Maya what Connor was saying there about you know evolving you know progressing as a band what's your thoughts yeah I mean without turning this interview into a review like I love I loved Maya. I, I loved I I loved Maya. And I when you get a band like yourselves, you'll know it from being fans of other bands who you really love, you get a sense, a slight sense of trepidation about a follow-up to a big album, like, oh, is it gonna are they gonna be able to live up to it? And I had that um with Pathos, but on 
having it now like we have, I'm, I mean, I think you boys have utterly surpassed yourselves in um, in recording That's it. Right. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's something we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about, but in terms of the progression of the sound, like I think you've done really well in that it's still clearly Conjure. Right. But I do think you've expanded it and made it even more progressive if, if that was kind of possible. And for such like a, a, a really quite heavy and abrasive sound, you know, when you've got the dual threat of, the, of both vocalists, in a way, it's hard to see where you guys could have gone. But I, I mean, it's been a real nice surprise and how that album has developed itself and unfolded itself to me and showing that progression. Oh, okay. I guess that's, that's not, very kind. Not, yeah. not really a question, but answer <laughs> that as well. Do you mind if I ask you a question kind of about that? A doctor yeah, okay. flipped the interview on its head. But like, the, <laughs> the like the one thing that we are very aware of is like with that progression and stuff, it is a very dense album. And like we we're fully aware that it's not as immediate as Maya was. Mm. So like I don't know how long you've both had it for, but did some of those feelings, did you get those? right from the initial first listening or did it take a couple to be like oh okay no I kind of like it's growing and I understand it a bit more because that's it's not something we're worried about it's just the bit that we're curious about because obviously we're with the songs from the start so by the time they're done and we listen to it we've kind of like everything we know exactly what happens at every second and it all makes perfect sense whereas kind of the interesting bit now is like you say people who have been anticipating this for four years since Maya like are they are they going to put it on and is it going to take four listens for them to get everything out of it? Or or do you think, did you ever say, even if it wasn't fully fledged, those feelings, did those kind of come across straight away to you in the first listen? I don't know about you guys, but some of my favourite albums ever are those that when I put them on initially, I'm a bit ho-hum about, but right. the ones that take a little while to reveal themselves end up being my favorite albums and so i definitely get what you're saying and i think with this record there were some of the guitar melodies that did stick initially but as i say the beauty of it for me was just on those repeat listens that right. it just unfolds itself so i don't know if that's the answer you want here but for me those are my favorite types of albums that the ones yeah. that keep giving rather than the ones that you can play once and actually all of the secrets are revealed and there's nothing more to gain from it. So, so yeah, I loved it, but, but that's, I guess, a bit of a personal taste for me. I don't know yeah, about no, you, Joe. I'm just genuinely curious. That's things like, we know it's not immediate as Maya, but obviously that's, like you say, it's all like personal as well. So that's our understanding of it. Like we might, we could have put it out and you could have gone, oh yeah, no, I got it straight away. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree that I think like, the albums that stick with you longer are the ones that you end up listening to for longer because you get more out of them. Right. So hopefully that's kind of say what people end up doing with this one as well. And hopefully it's not a case of like people don't, it, it's tricky, right? Cause it, we're asking, we're asking a lot just to, for people to listen to our album once. So it doesn't really feel like we can release an album and go, here's our new album. Listen to it at least five times. If you can, <laughs> like you can't, you can't really do that. So it's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who sticks with it, but hopefully people do that. No, sorry. Yeah. Just curious. Didn't mean to. It, I mean, it is hard. Like, I don't know what you think about this. Now there's so much music being released right. with there's so many bands. 
do you know, we're awash with great new music, streaming services make it all so immediate that you can just listen to something, fire something else on. How do you feel it is when you are creating art that you think does take a little bit longer to kind of make yourself stand out and thrive in that world where everything's so immediate, social media, everything else is so fast. How do you create something that's a bit more enduring and how do you kind of, I don't want to say sell that, but how do you kind of promote that, I guess? I guess it's one of those things where I feel like we're, although you're absolutely right, like we're on all the streaming sites and like we use it all ourselves and we're of that era and that sort of thing. I think it's something we would definitely feel a lot more pressure into that sort of thing if we were making music that was more tailored to that sort of thing. Like if we were pop artists or even if we made slightly more accessible, more like mainstream metal, all of that sort of stuff. I I definitely think we would have to work with that more, but we're, I think quite, I don't think we would change for that anyway, but I think we're quite fortunate where we listen, we're like, we grew up, sorry, listening to albums and like listening to albums as albums and so we're all what mid to late 20s so we're just before like streaming services so we we did have a little bit of like you still had to buy the cd and all of that sort of stuff and listen to it that way so we still have the appreciation for that and then so when it comes to writing the the songs and the album we're not even like thinking of that we know it's going to end up on a streaming site but we are writing an album and sure, people can whack it on shuffle. People can put songs in a particular playlist. And like at that point, they can listen to it however they want. But for us, it's not something we consider. We don't go, oh, we need to write a song that's less than four minutes so we can go in a Spotify playlist or anything like that. It's just, we're going to write the songs we're going to write, kind of pushing it out and marketing it afterwards. That's Nuclear Blast's problem. That's say, we're uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of do, do what we want and for better or for worse, say in, in this new digital age, that might help us, that might hinder us, but it's yeah, it's not something we really consider when writing or anything like that. It's just it's just the way the world is now. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on singles there, and I, I for me personally, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't like listening to singles because I'll take Tool for example when they released the singles off their last album, just having it in isolation, it doesn't relate to me and even like like for yourselves in Condra, like it dwells being a single which was like seven seven and a half yeah. minutes long like to try and pick a single out of this album must have been really hard and i think slightly to your point benny like how do you sell that a seven seven minute song yeah but i think you're you're because of the success of maya you've got such a great fan base now that it, the fans currently it won't matter how long the song is it's trying to get the new people in but i think like you were saying benny this is just more of a statement that because of streaming services it's so much easier now to just drop a few things here and there whereas i don't know if you guys remember going to our price and buying a single and i made a cd <laughs> single before it drops no, like, no, no, too cool. young for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean and you just touched on there about nuclear blast um, signing to them like you were on a previous label um, and then obviously things happened there we're not going to go into that that's not why we're here but was signing to Nuclear Bars was that the previous label a catalyst for signing to Nuclear Bars or was it already in the works 
Uh, it was already a thing. So right. yeah, we, we were obviously on, on that old label and they were going to be releasing the album initially, but it, um, Nuclear Rust were always going to be putting it out in uh, US and like rest of world, essentially. Like okay. they were going to release it and then the other label were going to do like UK and Europe as they typically did. And so we'd already kind of started building that relationship and we'd met the team a little bit and had those those conversations. And so then when everything did kind of happen, it was like a much easier, like natural step to just going on to Nuclear Rust full time. We were very lucky and we did get offers and like we had chats with other labels to kind of see what was out there and just make sure that we weren't just jumping at the first label that kind of came for us as like an amazing label Nuclear Blast is. But even through those chats and so we spoke to some great people and there were some other really good offers out there it still always felt like we were just going to end up with Nuclear Blast anyway. And then kind of we came out of all those chats and kind of, yeah, talked amongst ourselves and it was very much that Nuclear Blast was still the best option for us. Um, so, yeah, the, the the bridge had kind of already been built. And like we, on the first time we went over to, I think, yeah, it was the first time we went over to America, like we met Monty Connor and he took us out. Oh, for no the, way. It was like Ooh. incredible, like nothing even to do with Nuclear Blast, just like meet him and like someone of his like stature in the industry and like hear his stories and all that was incredible. But yeah, so we had the, we had the chance to sit down with him and say we started making the team and all of that before all the stuff happened with the old label. Was was that when you toured with Rivers of Neho? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was that tour. That was the last show of that tour, like the last day, essentially. We met him at the show and then the, uh, the next day is when he took us out for lunch before we uh, flew home, which was very nice, very kind of him. You know, it's funny because that tour with Rivers and yourselves, you both released, you released Maya and they released Where Owls Know My Name and they were my top two albums of that year. Wicked. Um, yeah, and it's so awesome. funny. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny that you were on tour with them. Like, that must have been incredible. This is, sorry, we're just so getting much. on a tangent. This is, well, yeah, I ended up getting a getting a tattoo from it. Oh, nice. Wow. Oh, nice. So, yeah, no, I love that. I mean, um, the whole thing, the thing with the tattoo is like, obviously it, because we know it's about rivers it's kind of a band tattoo but like it was I wanted to get something because just touring America in general was like one of the big bucket list things from like when I was a kid so I, I was going to get a tattoo anyway kind of regardless of of the tour because it was like that was a big one for me and then kind of like getting to watch that album every night in like in full and like they just got better and better every night it was just it was insane like it was a, a true pleasure to like be a part of because I typically do merch for us when we're playing gigs and on tour and it was one of those things where normally especially if we're on tour and we're seeing a band every night you might watch a show here and there but otherwise when the headline band comes on that's my chance to go backstage and kind of chill a bit but I don't think there was a night where I wasn't watching Rivers like they were just insane and so when it came to getting a tattoo I was like well, I want to get something that like is relevant to the tour. And like, I don't just want to get like an outline of America or something like that with the dates and a banner or anything like that. Like, I want it to be related to the tour, but I also want it to be something that's kind of like cool and that I would get as a tattoo on its own. And then, so I was thinking about it. I was like, well, it's a Owls tour. So I'll see if there's anything I like about, like see if I can find any kind of cool Owls or anything like that. And then, yeah, here we are. Nice. So yeah, that, that tour was incredible. And we want to like, we had an offer to go back out with them for the US tour that they've just done for the work. For the work. But we just, we couldn't quite make it work. Ah. Um, <laughs> and it was one of those things was like, if we'd have forced it, we were going out again, that would have been our third time. And like, we knew the album wasn't going to be out and we would have just been going and playing the same set 
Um, and so you say it just didn't quite work out, but we we love those guys so much. And yeah, the, will you see them at Arc Tangent? Or hopefully, I don't know what day they're actually on because I know our, our Arc Tangent's okay. a little bit of a mess where we're playing on the twentieth, I think, on the Saturday. But then we're at another festival. I want to say potentially Brutal Assault. It's either Brutal Assault or Summer Breeze. I'm not sure which is on which day on the 18th. So okay. we're playing 18th, traveling probably late 18th, 19th to get there for the 20th. So I don't know what day they're on and when we'll okay. be about and that sort of thing. But hopefully they'll still be about and we can at least chill and that sort of thing. I think I seem to remember there was a lovely photo. I think it was the last gig, the last date on the tour of U4 in the pit for Owls. Um, that was, yeah, that, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah. It, was such, it was such a lovely photo. Like you were saying, you know, you could have been backstage and just like doing whatever, but the four of you in there properly giving it socks. It was such a lovely, wholesome photo. Yeah, they're insane. Like that album is like, it was a weird because when we then, when we got that tour, and like I'd heard of Rivers and R, but I'd never really listened to them properly before. Um, I'd heard the odd song in passing. But so, yeah, when, when we got that tour, I was like, oh, and they released the album. I was like, oh, cool, I should probably check it out, like who we're going to be playing with. And it was kind of what we were saying earlier about albums that grow on you. The first couple of times I listened to it, I was like, yeah, cool. Seems, seems, seems all right. Um, I'm sure it'll be a fun tour. But then say, then seeing it every night, like I, that album is one of my favorite all-time albums. Now it's, it's incredible. It really is. We should probably talk about your album a bit now, should we? We've yeah. sort of. <laughs> go, go on, then it go on over to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, a question, I guess we've slightly touched on it, but for you guys recording it, like for Conjure, who have this really very heavy, really very dense, really quite abrasive vocal style, how do you or how did you approach making it that next step in terms of progressiveness? How did you add in those layers and what kind of things for people who haven't heard it, can they kind of listen out for or expect? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it, kind of came natural in the sense that Brady always phrases this really well when we when we kind of talk about it but like Maya on that album although we still do a lot on it like the influences at the time were like Gajira, Early Mastodon, Black Dahlia Murder whereas now what you're hearing on uh, Pathos is all that stuff but also all the influences and the stuff we've picked up in these last four years through experiences like touring with bands like Rivers and I who obviously have those extra elements on the latest albums like saxophone and synths and all that sort of stuff and like Dan is now really into like bands like Sumac I know Brady's hugely into like Imperial Triumphant and although they're not like that I don't think there's anything on the album where I'd go oh listen up for that it sounds like Imperial Triumphant it's sure. more bringing things like almost like the attitude and the atmosphere and the feeling you get from listening to that sort of music where it is a little more like niche and off the wall and less like like we were saying kind of less immediate and less not that I would put the bands I named earlier as like mainstream metal but again compared to a band like Imperial Triumphant Gajira are way more like accessible and mainstream and obviously they're becoming a huge band now like they should be but that's kind of the difference and that's what we wanted to bring in it was more than say, rather than just doing Maya again and like kind of staying at that base level, it was trying to bring in all these other things that we now enjoy that we kind of weren't maybe as aware of before. And so like you say, it is it is how like the focus and the, the way we wanted to take that step forward is like bringing in all of these elements. But like you were saying before, it still has to sound like Kundra. And so I think the thing that we kind of have progressed on this album, what we gotten better at is weaving all these different things 
into a cohesive like song and then a cohesive album so even if there is a black metal bit a death metal bit of whatever like you say loads of vocals going on a guitar melody under that it's the way that we fit all that together and like painstakingly like we're terrible for it the reason it takes us so long to write is because we'll argue and argue and argue over the tiniest little details until all four of us are happy with it and we think that it's acceptable and like something that we would want to put out but it is that process which is what I think then makes it kind of watertight that when we do have all these things going on and we do put this album out it flows and it makes sense and it sounds like Kundra and it's obviously we hope good but yeah those are the sorts of things like that we did to try and progress and try and add in these extra elements like it's, it's just trying to fit in where we've come from and like all the all the kind of um I don't want to say trademarks or anything like that, but all the kind of elements of our sound and incorporating this new stuff as well. And like trying things that we haven't before with like, I don't know, the, the kind of main one that pops out is on track three, or you will remember, we've got like the spoken word section, which is something we've never done before. And I remember even when it was brought up as an idea, I was initially kind of like, mm, I don't know, but say we tried it and like we went over it and made sure it fit and made sure it was right. And now it's one of my favorite parts on the album. So things like that kind of that was a felt like a long answer to your question sorry but in a roundabout yeah, way, no, that. definitely who by the way who does those vocals on uh so the, uh, uh it's a lady called alice i want to say zavadsky that's probably a slight mispronunciation mispronunciation of her last name but she's like a jazz artist and she has albums of her own and all that sort of stuff um but yeah we came across her because she did a feature on a song for another jazz artist called cory dick who's like a jazz drummer um and it was a kind of a similar sort of thing, but I remember us listening to that just on the way to a show at one point, we were just like hooked essentially. Like we loved her voice and like how it fit in the song. So when we had the idea to do kind of a spoken word by ourselves, like it was almost like a joke. We were like, oh yeah, we should get Alice to do it. And then everyone just kind of stopped. And I think it was really, it was like, well, we could ask. <laughs> like, kind of like, <laughs> cool, what's the worst that can happen? So yeah, we like we hit her up and it turned out her partner w- uh, is like a fan of the band and so she knew a little bit about us. Um, crazy. Yeah, and it all just kind of, so <laughs> she was cool, fully on board. And I think as well as doing like her own things as a jazz musician, she works in like music therapy. And so the song is about uh, like dementia kind of loosely and that sort of thing. So I think she works with playing music, like using music as therapy for people suffering with that. So it was like, all these different things we had no idea about kind of ended up slotting together and made it the perfect match. And so, yeah, she's smashed it. She's incredible. And like I said, it's now one of my favorite parts on the album. Absolutely. That's, that's just, um, you know, that old edge. If you don't ask, you don't get, and like, look at, yep. you know, you've just, I don't know whether chance your arm is the right word, but you've just put it out there and all of a sudden found out that her, partner is a massive fan of the band and she's like yeah absolutely it was was worst case we were going to get a no and we were totally fine with that like we would have made other plans but yeah like you say you don't ask and you don't get you gotta be in it to win it and all of those things just taking a step back slightly on the influences um you mentioned rivers of knee hill there um i think brady imperial trump and etc what about yourself like rivers aside like I want to know, like, in terms of let's talk about psilosis as well. To set, yeah. do you do you? Is it difficult for you to separate the two, or do you have ideas where you go back and forward between the bands and say this might work there? Uh, not really. There. So the so far, it might be a little more weird going forward, but so far the bands haven't overlapped in that way. 
So, um, what I joined Silosis again after Cyclosuffering had been recorded and written, like Josh has had that for years. Um, and then so that was out, and then obviously pandemic and all of that. So we weren't really doing anything. Um, and then since we've just written, like I've just recorded my parts for the, the a new Silosis album that's going to be coming out, but that that has all happened after the Kundra album was done as well. So, like at the moment they've not overlapped to the point where if I am writing, like I'm writing for the specific band. And so like we're in Kundra writing mode and we're all writing together and sending stuff back and forward. Like I've not had anything yet where I've just written a part and gone, Oh, where, where does that go or anything like that? So no, the, in terms of like, it's also, I feel like, I, spent, I, I can't say too much about the new Silosis album, but in terms of like the, the directions as well, like there's, there's obviously it's metal so there's going to be crossovers in some ways and like a cool riff is a cool riff kind of whether it fits in whichever band but in there's not a huge amount of crossover in the stars as well so I think it would be weird like it'd be rare sorry if there was a riff that I wrote or a part that I've came up with that I thought would fit both bands and have to even deal with that but no yeah so the influences are, are kind of different for each of them and so far like I say it, it might happen in the next few years the bands might find themselves crossing over more but no it's uh so far it's been separate and not so much of a juggle in, in terms of like the writing sense anyway and being brutally honest have sure. you ever been on stage with either Solosis or Condra and got confused of which part you've got to play <laughs> no <laughs> so, oh, I was really hoping. only only because I don't think it would happen anyway I feel I feel like I would know Say just because they are different enough, I would yeah. ha- hopefully have my wits about me and know where I was and what I was meant to be playing <laughs> and such. But um, we've only done, technically, if you count the live stream too, but I've only played one proper show with Silosis. We literally had the comeback show February 2020, and then a month later, the world shuts down. So it's one of those where like I've not actually had to do it yet, really. Like it, I know I'm in the band, but it still feels a little bit like I'm not quite in the band because we've just not been able to do much. And so, yeah, whereas Conjurer obviously gig way more frequently and I've been doing it for the past five years-ish. So, yeah, uh, again, maybe, maybe maybe as those things start to overlap more, there might be the odd time, but I really hope that there's... The no- man's a professional, <laughs> Joey. The man's I a know. professional. Well, I, I, yeah, <laughs> come on, what are you asking here? No, I, so far, only because it's not even been a possibility. But, yeah, we'll see, we'll see going forward. I, I guess also... <laughs> I was going to say, I guess also Ali uh, is in the band as well, and he's got a new touring cycle out with Bleed from yeah. within. So I guess it might get logistically quite difficult. Yeah, well, this is a challenge stuff. anyway. And, and him and Josh with Architects, obviously. Exactly. So, yeah. It's one of those things where even just getting our schedules to line up to be able to do anything in the first place, yeah, can be, or I'd imagine will be, when now that the world's kind of back up and running again for the most part like will we'll be the tricky bit um but yeah we'll figure it out but yeah you're right there's as much as Silosis is still a, a full-time band like it is a proper band you're right it's not going to be as busy as Kundra and like you're right Bleed have just put out an amazing album that they're going to want to tour everywhere especially as they didn't really get to tour the last one before that yeah, as well and actually. yeah Architects I'm sure they've already been doing some tours but I'm sure they'll be keen to get everywhere as well so we'll see it's one of those where it's as as far as like not that I want to call it a side gig, but as far as side gigs go, it's it's a nice one to have. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. And, and you and you can't give anything away about vaguely when an album might be. It'll be next year. 
Yeah, say, okay. I, I know that Ali's recorded all his drums. I've done all my bass. I want to say most of the rhythm guitars are recorded, but I don't know where Josh is up to in terms of like vocals and leads and stuff. But even then, like in the studio, when we talk about, I don't, there's not like a concrete, oh, we need it submitted by this date to release this date. It's just, we're recording it. It'll get given to Nuclear Blast and then we'll kind of see where it slots into the schedule and whatnot. But yeah, at the moment, it's not even that I know anything and I can't tell you. I just legitimately have no idea. Benny, this is a Conjurer interview. Stop trying yeah, to well, so yeah. Stop <laughs> trying to plug other bands. <laughs> if you are going to plug other bands, though, plug other bands that yeah, aren't. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I just have a, a couple more questions, Benny. I don't know if you have, but just the time frame from Maya to Pathos, um, four years, which isn't in terms of writing things, especially as there was a pandemic bang in the middle isn't a long time but was there any delays in putting this album out like or did you I mean was it one pandemic had an impact or was it just two that you because of Maya and the success of it you wanted to make sure everything was absolutely spot on before it was released yeah both essentially so um it was tricky to like it took us ages the plan was never for it to be four years like i remember when just as we were putting Meyer out dan was like yeah you know we'll probably be back in the studio within a year and even at the time i remember thinking well a year feels a bit short like let's let's pull the album first but like yeah. yes i see what you mean like because we could have never anticipated it blowing up the way it did but then like obviously we're very lucky but what that meant was we got loads of these amazing tour offers and festivals and opportunities and stuff that like we've we've said we've been able to do more off that album than we'd anticipate being able to do as a band in general and because we're not a band who like writes when we're on tour or like we don't get in the practice room and jam stuff out like because we do write at home and mm-hmm. like email stuff across to each other it just meant that being able to write just got pushed back and back and back every time we picked up a new tour and so we kind of almost, not that the pandemic was a good thing for anybody, but we almost needed that. Like it, it turns out if you want a country album writing, you have to legally lock us in our houses and then you, then you'll kind of get us, get us on the ball and stuff. But um, so, yeah, it was partly like say Maya and like wanting to follow that up properly, but also the opportunities Maya afforded us. Um, but once we, once we do get a flow going, when we're, we're not quick but we're not too slow one it's just getting that kind of flow going and then yeah you're right pandemic was then the other side of it um because we could have officially had the album out earlier but it would have been one of those things where yep we release it but then if you want vinyl you're going to get that six months later which we know like we sell at least like from our merch sites and stuff we sell more vinyl than anything and like it shows that we know that a lot of our fans like that medium and like so we wanted we, we essentially want it to be because it has been a four-year wait and like say there has been a lot of anticipation and build up we wanted it to be as close as possible to when the album gets released you can have it in your hands in whatever format you like put it on and experience it say however you like whether that is streaming vinyl cd doesn't really matter but we did yeah we didn't want it to be a case where here's our new album oh you wanted a vinyl well yeah you'll get that in five months even though you paid for it like say seven months ago or anything like that so we delayed it and held it back a little bit to try and make it as say as one thing as possible um it's still not quite gone to plan we had to do a post the other day because there's there has been like a vinyl not even with the actual vinyl but i think it's the machine that kind of like puts the gatefold together and like the packaging is 
gone down at whatever plant we've we've ended up using so it's not quite going to work out that way but it's still going to be closer than yeah say if we'd have put the album out three months ago and then kind of gone from there such a shame isn't it because like i you can probably see here like i i vinyl collector and like right it like i have Meyer on the vinyl and it just sounds it, it does sound so much better um now yeah. obviously we've had the promo for pathos but you know for those fans waiting it's really it obviously is disappointing it's nothing it's not your fault and as you said you delayed it already um but I will say to anyone listening to this, like it's totally worth the wait. Oh, um, well, good. Thank you. Like, <laughs> like when when you eventually get it. Like for example, I ordered a, I pre-ordered a record in October. Sorry, it was released in October last year, and I got an email the other day saying it's finally been shipped. Oh, geez. Okay. Like yeah. so, it's it's not. It, it's all around the world. There's just whatever shortage of vinyl. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, and we know, like, just because obviously we're talking to Nicola Last and going back and forth on email every day whilst they try and chase it up and give us updates and stuff. Like, we're not the only band, even yeah. on the bass of this happening. Like, I, I, they've not named names or anything, but they've said like we've got other releases and we've got other stuff that's been affected by this as well. So you're right. It's like there's nothing we could do about it and it's not just us, but it, it's still like, yeah, it sucks because we know people have waited and say, so we know people enjoy vinyl and we've put a lot of effort into the vinyl on this. Like it is a proper gatefold to disc. Like we worked really hard on the layout and stuff. So we know that when people do get it, it's hopefully going to be like worth it and say, even just the packaging and the tactile element of it, but say we don't want people to have to wait any longer for that than they've already waited for the album, which sucks. But it is what it is. Say it, it's almost there. The wait's almost over. Will you have any uh, um, Arc Tangent I can pick up? Save me post and packaging. Hopefully, yeah. That's oh, sweet. As far as I'm aware, like say we we might. I don't. Again, I don't know exact dates, but I I know that even if because the idea was I was meant to have all the albums at my house to like if you ordered it from America, I would ship it out like two weeks before the album comes out, so it hopefully gets to you around. Ah, really okay. okay. So it's like it's not going to be here in time for that. So, so by the time I ship it out, people get it late. But yeah, as far as we're aware, it shouldn't be like, oh, we're not getting it until November or whatever. We should hopefully have it still within the next month or so. Oh, cool. Yeah, hopefully by Act and Gent, you're right, we'll be able to have copies there of whatever we've got left over and can get our hands on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, keep me a copy, will you? <laughs> I'll, I'll give a <laughs> you might have to remind me, but yeah, I will, uh, I'll get a post-it note and stick one on the. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Benny, do you want to any follow-ups? Yeah, just a, just the last one to close it out. It, we've interviewed some of, we talked about how great the British scene is at the moment. And it, what's great about it is that every band, they don't really sound like each other. They've each got their own thing going on. But they're all actually really heavy. And this is a question, we've been lucky enough to interview a few of these bands, like Employed to Serve and Malevolent, bands that are really getting quite big. Yep. but are actually really quite heavy. And Conjure falls into the same same boat. And the question is, is there any kind of, given how heavy this music is, how heavy Conjure are, is there, you're clearly going in an upward direction, and that's great. Is there any kind of glass ceiling on where Conjure can land up? Uh, pro- like, probably. Like, yeah, we're not we're not delusional in the sense that like we're fully aware that we will never probably play a headline show at Wembley arena. Like that feels, <laughs> that feels unlikely to happen, right? Like um, metal gigs do happen there and we may get fortunate. Like the only thing I can see happening is 
we might get like a, a support slot that maybe like will open a show at Wembley or something like that. But yeah, I'd say but there's there has to be a glass ceiling just with the kind of music we make. But we know that like we went into it knowing that we're not we're not doing this to be like millionaires or like, yeah, playing the biggest of the biggest of shows. Like we want to play the biggest shows we can and like getting to I'm like it's it's a half and half, but I'm counting it. Like we got to play main stage download when we did the pilot, right? I, I don't think they're ever going to put us on main stage of a regular year, but being able to tick those things off it, it kind of nice as they come. But yeah, I, th- I think there definitely is at least with the sound we currently have, not that we have any like definitive plans to change one way or another, but yeah, I think there is a glass ceiling to kind of like, like it's, just how accessible the music is right like obviously we want we want as many people to enjoy it as possible but we're we're aware we won't pull in the same numbers that obviously these these pop acts do and that's just the nature of the beast like we want to take it as far as we can like we the band i would say we would potentially have the chance of like following in that sense might be like a gajira or something like that Mm -hmm. like kind of headlining venues of that size like they what they think they did like brixton on their last time around i don't know I don't know if they've hit Ali Pali yet or anything like that, but if I had to guess, that would be the top of where we reach, at least at the moment. And how I see kind of like, say, the way the scene's going and like the way our sound is, that would be, I think, our peak. But even if we get halfway to that, that's more than we ever expected. So that's totally fine. It's not what your uh, publicist said. I'm sure listening yeah, Lisa, to Jerry too. Lisa's got a right <laughs> Jerry, in. can you back that and she, she didn't run these passes either. Yeah, all of a sudden. Not, just, no. I just go on Twitter and I see that we're meant to be uh, headlining downloads. And like, again, I would love it. Like, I'm not saying I don't want to do that, but that's the, it's kind of the same thing as the whole like future of British metal. It's kind of like, well, it's very kind of you to say, Lisa, but really? <laughs> um, I, I think... I, I agree to an extent about maybe not being the main stage download, but that being said, Behemoth headlined, uh, sorry, played the main stage download one year. Interesting. Their, their music, if we're talking about accessible, is probably yeah, the I mean, most it's, accessible. It's Bands do uh, certainly get there, but it's, say, whether it will happen to us, we don't know. It's, it's one of those things where... And it's very kind of like artsy and pretentious to say, but it's like, we're just going to do what we want to do. Like we're going to keep going as we have. And obviously hopefully things keep going on an upward trajectory, but it's not as much as it's stuff we want to do. And like, these are bucket list things. We're not in a band and like, we don't have band meetings where we're like, we have to make it to download main stage or anything like that. If it happens, then like, that'd be incredible. But we'll say but it's it's very few bands that sound like us that do make it like say there are the exceptions like behemoth and that sort of thing but what say whether we'll do it who knows it would be great but who knows well if you do we'll be there absolutely cool right my last one question connor song on the album for you which is your favorite song on this new album pathos uh i go back and forth but i think i've started to like land and commit to uh all you will remember i think even if that changes and like in a week's time i've decided i like a different one better that kind of how we were talking about the spoken word section like that onwards to the end and like kind of that that moment on the album is definitely my favorite moment and possibly my favorite thing we've ever done 
and yeah with that being part of that song and kind of like the journey that song goes on and everything it's like when we write songs like that and like we don't deliberately write long songs they just end up long but the goal is it's almost like if it's going to be an eight minute song it, it can't feel like eight minutes and I think that's a song that's kind of like that where the journey and all of that doesn't feel like it's taken eight minutes and like, I feel like it has the right payoff at the end and all of that so yeah I think that's my favorite come back say come back to me in a week or a month or whatever maybe that's changed but I'm pretty sure I've settled on that one now all you will remember track three I'm going to go track four because the breakdown at the end of, is it I don't know how to pronounce it Bas, basilisk? basilisk yeah, yeah basilisk yeah. that breakdown at the end is probably the heaviest thing you've done I think in, in my opinion so that that um sorry I know you're trying to wrap this up but yeah a little, yeah, no, no, little on, factoid about that that has been around basically since the start of the band um there was a, I don't know if there's footage of it online anywhere, um, but, but the band used it before I joined, had a song called The Old Gods. Um, and it was at the end of that song, but that song was one that kind of like didn't make, it. obviously it's not on the EP or Maya. It was just one of the first songs they wrote as a band that they ended up then swapping out and didn't really do anything with. But you're right, we always had that bit that we loved and we would always like sound check it or mess around with it at rehearsal. Oh, right. And it was all, it was one of those things where we were like, we have to get that in somewhere. And we did. So yeah, that's a, a little tidbit about that, that that is a, that is a bit that has been around basically since the first years of the band, but has yeah, only just kind of come to light now. That's an incredible fact. There you go. And, and it is just so heavy. So heavy. Oh man, that <laughs> will destroy venues. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that song's in a weird tuning as well. It's like the only song. So we're in a dumb guitar tuning anyway. And then that one is <laughs> on the album that's in that tuning. But it's like an even lower, even dumber tuning. <laughs> so it's one of those that like, yeah, we want to put in the set, but we need to figure out the logistics of it first because you're right. It seems like the sort of thing we should definitely be playing live. Oh, you'd have to do a like mid guitar switch. Hey. Eight roadies hand and over. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things where <laughs> technically, like, we only change from like our the main conjurer tuning. We only the only note that's changed is the lowest string, and that's only gone down a little bit. So it's one of those things where I'm gonna try and convince the guys to essentially not be fussy. So where rather than having to change guitar and we have to load a, like a load more cases into every venue, just, just tune that one string. But we'll see, Dan. Dan. I think is open to the idea, but he's normally very like particular about having stuff set up and lit, like each guitar being the best it possibly can and like not just being tuned to whatever. So we'll see. I want to play it live, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. Oh, you can't not play that live. Well, that... This, is, this is what I'm saying, but yeah, it's, we've been stupid enough to put it in that dumb tuning. So we'll, we'll see. We've shut ourselves up <laughs> <up> there. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Listen, Benny, I don't know if you have anything else to say. We'll, we'll wrap it up there. Connor Marshall from Condra, thank you so much for your time, mate. Um, the new album's out 1st of July, and we've heard it, and we can confirm it is absolutely brilliant. So for all those people wondering whether it's going to be worth the wait, it totally is. And Connor, I know you've got festivals, shows coming up, so best luck with that, and best of luck with the release of the album. It's going to be an absolute stormer, and... Um, We'll see you at our tangent. Absolutely. See you there. I will pop that vinyl to the side for you. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. No 